I've never ceased to be amazed at how many times a sermon and a Sunday school lesson will go hand in hand. Uh, we had an example of that last week when Leah told me the uh, youth Sunday school lesson fit just exactly perfect with last week's message. Or how many times the songs, uh, without being uh, intentional, how many times the songs and the specials will come together and fit a sermon. Now we've been doing a series through the life of the patriarchs, Isaac and Jacob, over the last several months. And as I looked at the preaching calendar moving forward, I come to realize that today being June Day brought us to this specific text. Now I don't know if you remember this or not, but last year Brother Marion Brewer came and preached for us uh, June Day. And his sermon for us last year on this day was back to Bethel from this exact same text. Now, when I first came to realize that, my initial response was, oh, I can't preach the exact same message as last year. I need to find something different. But the more I prayed about it, the more it seemed like God was impressing upon me. That's exactly what this specific chapter is all about, going back one more time. Going back again. Maybe, just maybe, some of us didn't get the message last year. Or maybe we did get the message last year, and maybe some of us went to Bethel last year, but maybe we left. Maybe we drifted. And it's time for us to focus one more time on what it means to go back to Bethel. And as we do, praise God for His relentless grace that continually calls you to Himself. His grace is relentless, and He continually calls to you as he is doing here this morning. Let me invite you to stand with me if you're able this morning for the reading of God's holy word. We'll be looking at Genesis chapter 35, starting at verse 1. These words were written by Moses under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and live there. Make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods which are among you, and purify yourselves, and change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods which they had, and the rings which are in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak which is near Shechem. As they journeyed, there was a great terror upon the cities which were around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. He built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried below Bethel near the oak, and it was named Elan Bakus. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you for all that has taken place already here today. Father, indeed, we have worshipped you through song and through giving, through prayer, through the study of your word and fellowship in Sunday school. But Father, now we begin to focus on worshipping you through the preaching of your word. We come to this text today with the conviction this is the word of God. And Father, as such, we pray it would speak to us clearly. Father, open our ears to hear, open our minds to understand, open our hearts, God, to embrace this word. And Father, by the power of your Spirit, impress it upon our hearts. 
Father, some of us have never been to Bethel. We pray today is the day that they would arise and go up. Father, some of us have gone to Bethel, but we have left, we have drifted, and now, God, you're calling us back again. I pray we would go back to Bethel one more time and find one, once more your relentless grace that is sufficient and abundant as you call to us. Father, I pray we would answer that call today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we've been looking at Jacob's life and the ups and the downs, the ebbs and the flows. One thing has become abundant to us. It reminds us of the human tendency to drift away from God. That is our natural default. We don't have to try to drift away from the Lord. It just happens because of our sin nature. And oftentimes it is a crisis that comes upon us that wakes us up, that helps us to realize something that shakes, uh, shakes us to the very core of who we are, that drives us to go back to God again. We have seen Jacob's many mistakes and his many consequences that he and his family have suffered because of them. This message that was written by Moses was written at a time when Israel was about to one more time go back to the promised land after being enslaved in Egypt for 400 years they were going to face many of the same obstacles and challenges that Jacob faced they were going to face that same human drift time and time again and so this word this story of Jacob resonated with the children of Israel as it should resonate with us today Church, we are prone, as the hymn says, to wander, prone to leave the God I love. And as we leave, God continually calls to us to come home again. And how, how do we do that? How do we spiritually return home? How do you go back to Bethel? We see that in our text today. First of all, you've got to hear the Lord. You've got to hear the Lord. Verse 1, it says, then, Jacob, or then God said to Jacob, don't miss that. Think about everything that just transpired in the chapter before that. You had rape, you had pillage, you had genocide, you had all kinds of sin and immorality going on. And we might think at some point in time, God would say, okay, I'm done. I've had enough. I'm through. Jacob, you and your family, you've just, you've just sinned one too many times. Enough. We would think that God might be tempted to do that, but here we see God is not finished with him. And that's good news for you. That's good news for me. As we drift, as we leave Bethel, God is not done with us. God continually calls to us. We see it is, it is his gracious initiative to do that. And the first step in spiritual renewal, it always comes from God. God said to Jacob, Arise and go up. To Bethel. Bethel symbolizing the place where God first appeared to Jacob. It was a place of spiritual closeness and connection between Jacob and his God. God calls to him and says, Go up to Bethel. Reminds me of Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve had sinned against God. And, and God shows up and they hid themselves in the garden. And what does God do? God says, Adam, where are you? God knew where Adam was. But in stating that, God was reminding Adam, Adam, you have sinned, you have fallen. But I am here, and I am calling out to you. 
I desire you to answer me. I desire you to come back to me. God initiated that relationship with Jacob those many years ago at Bethel. We read that in chapter 28. And it was the same God who called out to Jacob. And that's the way God works with us. God initiates that relationship with you and with me. Jacob wasn't going out, leaving his home, seeking God, but God showed up and spoke to him. Maybe you're here today and seeking God is the last thing on your mind. But God has brought you here today and God is speaking to you. It is up to you and I to hear the Lord, what He has to say to us. And to Jacob's credit, Jacob heard. Jacob listened. But not everyone does, unfortunately. I seen a, a picture the other day on Facebook. I, I won't say who it was, but it was somebody that I knew, a friend of mine. And uh, it was an elderly couple and uh, they were leaning in towards each other, and both of them had their hands up on their ears like they were trying to hear what the other one was saying. The problem was nobody was talking. (laughs) Both of them were trying to listen, but there was nobody talking. Folks, there is someone speaking today, and that someone is God. That someone is the Holy Spirit of God speaking to you through the text of Scripture today, and God is speaking. It is up to you and I to hear the Lord. But if we were to go back to Bethel, we need to do more than just hear the Lord. We need to heed the Lord. We need to obey what God says. God commanded Jacob, arise and go up. The language of a spiritual pilgrimage. Jacob, get up and go to this place of significance. God spoke and Jacob said to his family, let us arise and go up. Jacob heeded the word of the Lord. He was obedient. And what's interesting to me, what I was rejoicing to see here, Jacob resumed spiritual leadership in the home. Remember in the last chapter, Jacob kept his mouth shut when his daughter was defiled out of fear of what the surrounding peoples would do to him. And Jacob allowed his sons to arise up and and concoct that scheme where they went in and slaughtered the men of Shechem and looted the city. And when Jacob finally spoke up, all he spoke was about his concern, his fear of what might happen to him and the repercussions. Jacob had abdicated his rightful place as head of the home spiritually. But when God spoke to him and Jacob heard the call of God, Jacob resumed that place and he said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods which are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I will make an altar there to God. I will make the altar. He was setting the stage. He was setting the tone for that family. I will make the altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress. He has been with me wherever I may go. He said, put away the altar, or put away the idols. And what's awesome here, Jacob's family, they immediately, and they totally responded. Verse 4, So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods which they had. There was an immediate and a total response to Jacob's leadership. And Jacob said, I'm going to build this altar to God who has been with me wherever, wherever I have gone. And that was true geographically, 
Whether he was in Canaan or whether he was in Aram, wherever he was, God was with him geographically, but more importantly, God was with him spiritually. No matter where Jacob went, whether he was serving God faithfully or whether he was sinning against God, God was still there with him. God was faithful to that fallen, sinful man. He was with me wherever I have gone. And he says, let's put away these gods. You might say, I don't have any gods, lowercase g. I don't have any idols. I don't have any little statues or trinkets that I bow down and worship. But folks, every single one of us have idols, things that tempt us to focus and to, and to give all of our energy and all of our attention on these things, to worship the created things rather than the Creator. For some, it's idols of comfort. For some, it's possessions. For some, it's a desire for attention. For others, pleasure. The thing about these idols, these idols are empty. They promise satisfaction and they can never deliver. And more importantly than that, these idols are dangerous spiritually. They lead to death and destruction. God said, put away the idols. And Jacob commanded his family, put away these gods. But it's, it's, it's interesting, verse 2, he says, Put away the foreign gods which are among you. Secondly, purify yourselves. Thirdly, change your garments. This was symbolic action. For them to cleanse themselves ritually. Put on new garments, garments that had not been defiled after the bloodshed and all that took place in the chapter prior. Symbolically, clean yourself up. And let's go worship. But these three commands, put away these gods, purify yourself, put on these garments. It reminds me of the New Testament commands we have in Christ Jesus. First of all, put away the gods. Put away the idols. Repent and believe in the gospel. Turn from sinfulness and turn towards God, the one true and living God. And there's no way to come to Him, as Frank prayed earlier, than, other through, uh, than through Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Put away these gods. Put away your sin. And come to Christ. Purify yourselves. Be washed in the blood of the Lamb. And have the sins that you have committed washed away that you might be forgiven and free. And put on new garments. Paul says, put on the new man. Put on a new lifestyle that is befitting a child of God. That's holiness. That's our sanctification. As we repent, trust in Christ, our sins are washed, and then we live a life that reflects this commitment to God. It's heartfelt obedience, a response of gratitude. It's not legalism, following a set of rules. It's not self-righteousness, making myself up to be better than somebody else. It's heeding and obeying the word of the Lord. Verse 4, it says that Jacob took these foreign gods and the things they'd given him, and he had hid them under the oak, which is near Shechem. He buried them. He buried them. Wednesday night, we were talking about shaving with a straight razor. Now, that was popular back in the day, not so much now. And uh, Johnny was telling us that growing up, his father had a straight razor in the home and had a leather strap on the end of it. It said the leather strap wasn't always used for shaving. It was used for other things at times. It said one day, Johnny said, when nobody was paying attention, he took that leather strap 
And he went to the chicken coop and he buried that leather strap underneath the chicken coop. Something that, that caused him a great deal of pain was now buried out of sight, out of mind. I think that's what is happening here as Jacob takes these gods and he buries them. A source of pain and a source of, of sorrow, he buries them out of sight. They're gone. They're gone. I don't think Johnny was ever tempted to go and dig up the leather strap again. But maybe Jacob and his family at times were tempted to go dig up these idols that you and I sometimes, God tells us to obey Him, and, and we do. But then there comes the drift. There comes that return to the idols. And we go to visit the grave of our idols from time to time. God is calling us back to Himself. We hear the Lord. We heed the Lord. Thirdly, we need to hope in the Lord. To hope in the Lord. Verse 5, as they journeyed, there was a great terror upon the cities which were around them. They did not pursue the sons of Jacob. Now Jacob was so worried about that at the end of chapter 34. What he failed to realize is our security rests not in our political associations. Our security rests not in our ability to protect ourselves. Our security rests in Christ as we walk through enemy lands as they journeyed through Canaan, surrounded by pagan nations, they walked and they journeyed, they sojourned like pilgrims, they did not belong there, but God put them there, and God protected them. God preserved them as they moved through enemy territory. There was a great terror upon them. They did not pursue the sons of Jacob. We say, well, after they saw what the sons of Jacob did to Shechem, no wonder they didn't pursue them. They said, these guys are bad news. I don't want to mess with them. Maybe that's the case. Or, or maybe they did not pursue Jacob's sons, not because of Jacob's sons, but in spite of Jacob's sons. That there was a holy halo, a protection around God's people. Not saying that God would not allow them to suffer consequences of, of poor decisions. Not saying God would not allow them to face trials and tribulations. But no matter what, they were always underneath the protective hand and the blessing of God as His people. It's an important lesson for us to remember as we walk through this life. God's covenant promise to bless the nations through Jacob's seed. Had God allowed Jacob to be destroyed, that promise would have come to nothing. But God was able to keep His promise. Then, God is able to keep His promise today. As He's calling out to you, and He's calling you to come to Him, He's calling you to come back to Bethel, He's calling you to journey through this life and through this world, through enemy territory, He's calling you to come to Him, and He will protect you, and He will keep you secure in Christ. Not because you deserve it, but because He is faithful. Hope in the Lord. Fourthly, go back to Bethel. You honor the Lord. Verse 6, Jacob came back to Bethel, all the people who were with him, and he built an altar there. Jacob and all his people, they came and they built an altar that is worship. They worshiped God. Jacob led his family to the worship of God. He left Bethel the first time with nothing but the clothes on his back. 
all alone, no possession. He comes back to Bethel, and guess what? God's promises, again, are true. He comes back to Bethel, a mighty company of people and possessions. And he called the place El Bethel. Originally he called it Bethel, the house of God. Now he calls it El Bethel, God of Bethel, God of the house of God. The focus now is on the God of the house. Not only what God can give me and what God can do for me, the focus is now on worshiping that God. Worshiping the giver and not just the gift. Jacob now knew this God intimately because of the trials and the struggles and the failures and the grace that continually was extended to him. Jacob knew this God even more. And he builds an altar. Think about an altar. An altar is a place of sacrifice. Worship requires sacrifice. Worship's not designed to be convenient or cheap. Worship is meant to, to cost you something. It's, 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 worship is designed for you to commit something to God, something valuable to God, something meaningful to the Lord. It's not something you do just when you feel like it or when I have time. It's about commitment. It's about commitment in a society where commitment is so lacking and in every area of life. We dare not slack on our commitment to God. We worship Him because God is worthy. We worship Him in both a personal and in a corporate matter. Both. For good health, you need to what? Eat right and exercise. If you do one but not the other, you're not going to be healthy. If you worship God personally but not corporately, you're lacking what is needed for spiritual health. If you worship God only corporately when we come together but never personally on your own, you're not going to be spiritually healthy. You need both. And here is Jacob coming with his family, building an altar and sacrificing on this altar, giving God something valuable because God is worthy. This God who has kept His Word is worthy of worship. So we hear the Lord, we heed the Lord, we hope in the Lord, we honor the Lord, and finally we hasten to the Lord. We hasten to Him. We go to Him. We prepare ourselves to ultimately meet God face to face. We read in verse 8, Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and she was buried near Bethel under the oak. Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, by this time his mother's nurse would have been a, a very elderly woman. And we don't have all the details in the story. We have to fill in the gaps, perhaps. When Jacob returns to Canaan, he finds out his mother has passed away. The mother whom, whom he loved, the, the mother who loved him dearly, is no longer there. But there is his nurse, there is Deborah. And so perhaps he takes this woman under his wing. She is a, a wonderful reminder, a connection with the past, a cherished link to those before him that he loved dearly. But then we read that she died. His mother had departed and now was his mother's nurse's time to go. But what Jacob come to understand and what we must understand is God's kingdom still advanced despite her passing. There was time to mourn, but then there was time to move. 
God's kingdom on earth does not stop. It did not stop when Moses passed. It did not stop when David passed. These great leaders that God raised up after their passing, God's kingdom still moves forward. And while we come here today, we are reminded of the past and we are extremely grateful for the saints that have gone before us. And June Day is one of those things where we tie ourselves back to our roots. We tie ourselves back to our foundation and we rejoice. We rejoice. And we look around this room, for some have been here many years, you look around and you see names and faces of those who are no longer here. They've gone on to be with the Lord. And a day like homecoming reminds us of their lives and we praise God for that. But then we realize that it's our time. As they came and before us and they faithfully served God and now they are with the Lord in heaven, it is now our time to make sure we are faithful to carry on that tradition, to take that gospel message, believe in it, preach it, sing about it, go out and speak it and live it out. It's our time, folks. We rejoice in those who came before us. Praise God for them. And we love them dearly. We look forward to seeing them again. But it's our time to do what God has called Ephesus Baptist Church to do. We rejoice in the past, but now there is kingdom work to do. God's kingdom is still advancing here on earth. And that is my prayer, I hope it is your prayer, that He continually blesses our church and moves our church and works through our church sometimes in spite of our church as he did with Jacob his grace was relentless for Jacob it is the same for us and just as Deborah had her moment where she stood before God one day you too will stand before the Lord and you will give an account for your life the Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. If you stand before God with nothing other than your own self-righteousness, you're condemned. However, if you stand before God and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son has washed away your sin and by faith you have received His righteousness as your own because of who He is and what He has done for you, by faith if you stand before God in Christ Jesus, you will be accepted. You have been cleansed. You are forgiven. It's the glorious promise of the gospel. It, promise us, it promises us one day we will stand before God and we will be forgiven and clean. It promises one day we will stand before God and see our Lord and Savior face to face. It promises us that one day there will be a great reunion in glory as those loved ones that have trusted in Christ, and as we who also have trusted in Christ, one day will be together in the presence of the Lord. We hasten to the Lord. As we think about our homecoming here on earth, we think about our homecoming one day in glory. We'd be foolish not to think of that today. And praise God Praise God for His relentless grace that continually calls you to Himself. No matter how many times you wander, 
Last week we was coming home and we was on Lexington Avenue and came to the intersection of Lexington Avenue and, and Maple, right beside Central Baptist Church and on the other side was uh, the, the pawn shop. And as we were sitting there at a red light, I noticed out of the corner of my eyes a, a little child running over by the pawn shop. He was running on the sidewalk and he was running and he was running. He looked like he was about four or five years old and he was running towards the intersection and did not slow down at all, continually just ran straight through the intersection. And it wasn't the time, it wasn't the, the, the cross uh, light, wasn't lit up for the And so cars were turning, and by the grace of God, this child somehow ran through that busy intersection and was not hit. He runs up the stairs right in front of Central Baptist, in front of the old sanctuary there, and he, and he sits on top of the, of the, of the porch there. And we were watching as this all took place, and Nancy said, Oh, my goodness, where's that child's parents? And we looked around. Not an adult to be seen anywhere. And so she jumps out of the car and, and has to run across the intersection. Again, it wasn't time to walk. And so she's jaywalking. Cars are coming. And, and she goes up, and she, she grabs this child, and, and she comes back. And I pull over in the, the pawn shop parking lot. and Another car pulls in. Another family saw what happened and was walking, and they pulled up. And, then a, a sheriff's deputy pulls in. And so they begin this frantic search. They asked the boy where he lived, and either he didn't know or he didn't want to tell them. So they asked him where he lived, and they found, finally find his mother, and his mother comes down, and the, the deputies are talking to her. Come to find out, she said, this is the third time that week that boy had run away. The third time. And so, you know, you think, what can you do to fix that? And, you, and, and all these things go through your mind. But you know what? The reality of the situation is that little boy, that's you. And it's me. And we are constantly running away from God. We are constantly putting ourselves in harm's way. We are constantly putting ourselves in grave danger but not staying at the place where God wants us to be, not staying where it's safe under the umbrella of His protection. We continually want to run away from God. And while it was the third time that little boy ran away that week, how many times have you ran from God even just today? But God's grace is relentless. God's love for you, His covenant blessings in Christ Jesus, He is faithful. His grace is amazing. His grace is abundant. His grace is relentless. He never gave up on Jacob. And we read that and we say, man, if I was God, I'd have wiped him out. I'd have had all I had of him. But God called out to Jacob and said, Jacob, come to Bethel. And Jacob heard the call of God. Jacob responded, built an altar, and there his family worshipped God together. And even though they suffered a tragic loss, the covenant promises of God is one day they would be reunited. And it was a, a vivid reminder to Jacob that his time on earth was short. You only got so much time to serve God. Why waste it pursuing your own selfish ambitions? Why not use that time you have left serving God to the fullest? Just selling out for Jesus. Not, don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm going to serve the Lord. Me and my house, we're going to follow God faithfully. We're going to commit ourselves, and we're going to go back to Bethel, and if we happen to stray away from Bethel, one day God's going to call us, and we're going to come back to Bethel again. So I want to ask you this morning, what hinders your homecoming? God is calling here today. He's calling you. 
God is calling you today. He is calling you. And He says, come to Bethel. Why won't you go? What hinders that? Is it pride? I don't need to go to God. I'm okay. Is it fear? What's everybody going to think of me? Is, is, it, is it your own passions, your own flesh? Thinking, I don't want to give these things up. What hinders you? God is here. God is calling you today. Jacob heard the call of God and he obeyed. Jacob of all people did the right thing. What is keeping you from answering God's call on your life today? Come back to Bethel. Come back to Bethel. One more time. Come back to Bethel. Let's pray together.